the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back. Monday, April 18th, 2022. My friend Ryan Williams, president at the Claremont Institute, calls it regime hierarchy. I've mentioned this just here and there a few times. I think I like for now opinion and principle hierarchy. Let me explain. But if you want the quick cut to the chase, it's that we conservatives and we Republicans shall not exist. We are not to be considered part of legitimate political movement, organizing, speech, campaigning, electioneering, or governing. Quad licit jovi, non licit bovi is the Latin version William Buckley used to describe this phenomenon. What is permitted to the gods is not permitted to the cows or swine is the roughest translation. A female reader of his once wrote into him at National Review asking for his translation of that phrase, and he wrote back, quote, this is an anti-egalitarian aphorism, which very freely translated would say something like this. Yes, but you're not Marilyn Monroe, close quote, Buckley's sense of humor. What the left and Democrats say and do, conservatives and Republicans may not. We may not and would not sick a lawyer on a Supreme Court nominee and invent rape charges against him to scuttle his reputation and nomination. The left and Democrats, no problemo. We may not and would not take a rape allegation against a nominee to the Supreme Court and sit on it, hold it, conceal it, only to then publicize and launch it months later at the most convenient political moment to scuttle the nomination. The left and Democrats, no problemo. We would not attempt to impeach Nancy Pelosi for declaring our presidential election was hijacked and that Donald Trump was an illegitimate president, as she tweeted and stated in 2017 and since. If Donald Trump says something similar, he will be subject not only to impeachment, but charged with inciting a riot. This is to say nothing of Hillary Clinton, Jimmy Carter, numerous congressmen and senators and reporter op-ed journalists saying the same thing so long as they are liberal and Democrats. It is disrespectful and racist for Republicans not to unanimously vote to confirm or at least celebrate the nomination of Ketanji Brown Jackson, as it was disrespectful and conspiracy theorist-inspired to raise questions of and to her about some of her previous judicial rulings that would raise eyebrows in any normal world. But it is fine and dandy for Ted Kennedy to say of one of the most respected legal scholars and judges in America, Robert Bork, when he was nominated to the Supreme Court, that quote, Robert Bork's America is an America of back alley abortions and segregated lunch counters and midnight raids, close quote. Amy Coney Barrett gets nominated to the Supreme Court and Professor Ibram X. Kendi can write about her and her adopted Haitian children, Quote, some white colonizers adopted black children to civilize these savage children in the superior ways of white people while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity. Close quote. 
That professor gets book publication deals galore, including children's books, a speaker's bureau, and several Netflix contracts to advise and portray his points of view. The president of branding for Levi Strauss tries to get the company to support opening schools for all children after the research shows children are not at risk and not substantial spreaders of COVID and is forced to resign, condemned as a racist. Donald Trump is banned and censored from Twitter. Kendi, quoted above, Louis Farrakhan and the mullahs of Iran are not. Both refer to America as Satan and wish Israel to be wiped off the map. Homosexuals as well. Riots over three months that lead to billions of dollars of damage, firebombings of courthouses, takeovers of police precincts, the loss of 30 lives and over 14,000 arrests are mostly peaceful and will get U.S. senators, even candidates running for vice president, to seek donations for those to bail them out. An anarchist mob of several hundred caused no loss of life but one of their own shot in the back. That lasts for seven hours, and they are tied to the entirety of the Republican Party as anti-democratic insurrectionists. We can play this game for hours. Donald Trump is the orange man. Jen Psaki's hair color isn't even a tertiary color and gets no comment. Ronald Reagan was a bigot. Al Sharpton is a civil rights leader. Ron DeSantis wants to keep schools out of the business of training five-year-olds to think of themselves as sex objects. Disney, a children's entertainment company, attacks Ron DeSantis and announces it will deliberately portray, portray children's characters just that way. DeSantis is the bigot. Disney is the enlightened. Standing for the national anthem when a Republican is president is racist. Standing when a Democrat is president is patriotic. Try this. Jeff Bezos, the wealthiest or second wealthiest man in the world, can buy and own the Washington Post. Elon Musk, the wealthiest or second wealthiest man in the world, cannot buy Twitter. Jeff Bezos is a liberal who owns liberal left newspaper. Elon Musk simply wants to open Twitter to avoid viewpoint discrimination. You know, so that conservatives and liberals, left-wingers and right-wingers can both speak and coexist. This is what cannot be allowed to happen. What is good for the gods is not good for the cows or swine. And the left and the Democrats see themselves as gods and conservatives or Republicans as swine. Not on an equal playing field. Non pari parsu in American politics. We are to be disappeared. Liberal Nelson Rockefeller's staff put out a memo at the 1964 Republican convention saying their effort was to, quote, remove Barry Goldwater as a member of the human race, close quote. The effort to write all conservatives or Republicans out of the mainstream or rational stream of the American polity, an effort to make us untermenschen or pariahs, has been long coming and is at a crescendo pitch just now. We are at best curious throwbacks to a time before enlightenment, and enlightenment being so fluid is to constitute whatever the left dreamed up as long ago as yesterday. At worst, we are white supremacists. But the notion of superlatives being rare, like at worst and white supremacist, are increasingly less rare and decreasingly less common. May we go back to Professor Ibram X. Kendi a moment. He has a new piece at the Atlantic Monthly, you know, the magazine that just co-sponsored a forum at the University of Chicago on how to battle misinformation. His point is to identify four great untruths, four great lies that constitute the Republican Party today. He claims... The Republican Party is trying to get away with. 
I shall quote directly. He calls them, quote, four hugely false conceptual building blocks Republican politicians use. One, Republican politicians care about white children. Two, anti-racist education is harmful to white children. Three, Republican politicians are protecting white children by banning anti-racist education. And four, the Republican Party is the party of white parents because it is protecting white children. I will spare you much of this claptrap, but I have to point out two things. This is the professor who Jack Dorsey of Twitter gave $10 million to, and this is the professor who states, quote, one cannot be a capitalist and an anti-racist. Same professor who states, quote, the only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination. Count me old enough to recall when discrimination was something we wanted to eliminate, not concretize. In any event, just a little more as to why Kendi justifies his four lies he says the Republicans are trying to perpetuate. He writes, quote, every great myth is built on a foundational assumption, a fallacy widely assumed to be true. The foundational assumption of this great myth is that Republican politicians care about white children. But if they did, then they would not be ignoring or downplaying or defending or bolstering the principal racial threat facing white youth today. And I am not talking about critical race theory which Republican propagandists have quite intentionally redefined, remaking it into a threat and obscuring the real threat. What are white children being indoctrinated with? What is making them uncomfortable? What is causing them to hate? White supremacist ideology, the toxic blend of racist, sexist, ableist, homophobic, transphobic, Islamophobic, xenophobic, and anti-Semitic ideas that is harmful to all minds, especially the naive and defenseless minds of youth. Which group is the prime target of white supremacists? White youth. Close quote. That's Professor Kendi. Now, I can give you a long and I should think helpful answer to all the wrong assumptions built into this farrago of an attempted argument. But let me just raise one simple and I think devastatingly difficult question to answer. When did conservatives or Republicans anywhere start training teachers in and start writing textbooks supportive of, to quote, the toxic blend of racist, sexist, ableist, homophobic, transphobic, Islamophobic, xenophobic, and anti-Semitic ideas that is harmful to all minds, especially the naive and defenseless minds of youth? Honestly, serious question. Don't you think it deserves at least one example? When did this all begin? Because I know something about textbooks and education, and I can tell you the history and social studies and governmental books, government books, were at least since about 1945, which is to say almost since 40 years before Professor Kendi was even born. Those books were written by political liberals, supportive of FDR and Lyndon Johnson type Democrats, even worked for them. And then starting in the mid-70s and early 80s, just a little before Kendi was born, those books yielded to much more. Those liberal books yielded to much more progressive authors and texts as the teachers, by and large, became part and parcel of the Democratic Party. Just as the two largest teachers unions started donating tens of millions of dollars to Democrats, over $30 million in donations in 2020. 
So when did we conservatives or Republicans start implanting the things in schools? Kendi says we did. And does he have a single example? Once the deployment of homophobic, sexist and the rest of that litany into our curricula, we went from Howard Zinn's history book, first published in 1980, revolutionizing Americans' understanding of history leftward to the 1619 Project, which goes even further to change our actual date and founding. The trend has been ever increasingly progressive in our textbooks and teachers' colleges. Progressive to Marxist, that's been the trend. But were the ones changing and implanting ugly and inimical doctrines? Nope. We're just shining a light on it. What it? Oh, I don't know. That race dictates thought and that gender is fluid and has to be acted on as early as four years old? This is why Vaclav Havel, who well understood the abuse of language, could write, If the main pillar of the system is living a lie, then it is not surprising that the fundamental threat to it is living the truth. This is why it must be suppressed more severely than anything else. How best to suppress it? Give it names like racist, sexist, ableist, homophobic, transphobic, Islamophobic, xenophobic, and anti-Semitic. It is in this same Atlantic essay, out just this month, where Professor Kendi writes that Governor DeSantis's concern about sexualizing youth at ages 5, 6, and 7 in Florida's public schools is based on, quote, QAnon conspiracy theories about public schools being overrun by child predators who are grooming children to be gay, close quote. Got it? Even the effort to simply not change the education of our children and their brains and emotions and social health, even that effort to abjure introducing sexual themes to children, that, to Professor Kendi, is based on a QAnon conspiracy, the better to shut us up. This man is a professor. This man is a professor in an esteemed college which funds his work to the tune of millions of dollars a year. This man has the publishing houses begging for his work and companies like Netflix throwing content contracts at him while Fortune 500 companies are throwing five and six figure checks at him to tell them about his theories on race and culture. It's not regime hierarchy exactly. And it's not quadlicit jovi exactly. It's an anathematization of what Thomas Jefferson said in his first inaugural, that we are all Americans regardless of our points of view in the major parties, and that, quote, every difference of opinion is not a difference of principle, close quote. Well, here's the damned irony of it all. The left and the Democrats do now see us as outside the acceptable and fully gripped by differences of principle, not just opinions. But you know what? In a way, they are right. They are just looking at it from the wrong perspective. They have a distorted parallax view. We are in actually opposing differences of principle here. What principles do we differ with? The leftist principle that can just as easily be labeled neo-Marxist as it can Nazi. The notion that our genders and our skin colors dictate how we think and how we should think. Oh, yeah, and one more thing. We oppose the idea that discrimination is a good thing or ever called for. Sorry about that. We still do actually hate discrimination. But do understand, this is the new ground we are forced to operate on, to practice our politics on. And if you want to understand the new calls for cancellation and censorship that have cropped up over the past decade or so with increasing fury, it is based on this. Tyrants, not humans after all, do not deserve freedom of speech.
or any respect at all whatsoever. When we conservatives finally absorb this, we will be able to operate with much more political savvy. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Uh, the Biden administration wants to take news cycles up to deal with something called ghost guns. Uh, real gun violence is taking place and not getting reported on in the national media. You have to go to the local media to find such things out as over this weekend, 19 people were shot. In Chicago, 24 in Philadelphia, I think Oakland, California, chalked up its 38th homicide for just this year. Meanwhile, the New York Times and Washington Post will do their best to cover up the actual stories of who the criminals are, whether they be plowing people down with automobiles or shooting people down with guns. Geraldo Rivera tweets out this just now, not a peep from civil rights groups about the various and sometimes fatal mass shootings over the weekend involving black young people. Homicide is the leading cause of death for young black men. It's the civil rights issue of our time because life is a civil right. Geraldo Rivera can say that, um, and I'm not in the mood uh, or mode, better word, I'm not in the mode of quoting liberals to give conservative positions credence. I am, however, in the mode of quoting liberals who are insulated from the usual attacks for saying the same things that conservatives do because for whatever reason they were inoculated years ago by being part of a high culture or a cozy culture with the left. So when Geraldo Rivera says it, he's a little more immune than most. Uh, Then, of course, we get the statistics, in fact, right out of Pennsylvania. Yep, Philadelphia, Geraldo's right. Under 34, uh, fatal shootings, uh, 72% death rate. Uh, Under 34, COVID deaths, Philadelphia, 1%. Uh, 35 to 54 age category, 19% for fatal shootings. For COVID deaths in that age range, 35 to 54, it's 9%. Geraldo Rivera is absolutely right. You can talk about education being the civil right of our uh, civil right issue of our time. You can talk about any number of things. I have seen even civil rights organizations talking about environmental equity being the civil right issue of our time. How about what Geraldo says? Life. How about life being the civil right of our time? And how about starting to talk about it with a dose of truth and candor? I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 past the hour. Time for our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. He has his own radio show as well. Heard every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. right here. The Word on Wealth. John, what's the good word today? I hope you had a good weekend. Happy Easter and all that. Thank you so much. You as well. And boy, anybody can be a singer, it sounds like, with that opener. Do you know who that was? Yes, I do. Okay. Lee, Lee Major. Yeah. Lee Majors, yes. Uh, yes. If Anyone can be him. Anyone can be married to Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> wow. It gives hope for all of us. Yes. yes we all yes. can do what Lee Majors did. Wouldn't that be something? I got. I know you won't talk taxes, and I do too, yes. but I got to tell you an interesting set of facts I just learned oh, from Bloomberg. Okay. You may know this. Among the six, I thought you'd like this, though, if you don't. Among the six companies with at least $1 trillion in market cap, right. none achieved the milestone as quickly and stayed there as Elon Musk's. Right. Tesla, mm-hmm. which did it 11 years after its initial public offering. It took Apple 38 years, Microsoft 33, Google 16, and Amazon, Amazon. 23. Right. Yep. Very interesting, isn't it? Extremely. And uh, this it could have been just perfect timing. Yeah. That, that possibly could have been it. Uh, but uh, obviously, this person has a tremendous amount of uh, wisdom, I guess, beyond his years. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to do some of the things he's doing. Yeah, well, he's, he's smart. He sees something yeah. that we don't or others yeah. don't. Anyway, obviously. I love what's happening with Twitter, too. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I, know, I, know. I love it. And now Jack Dorsey's getting involved with some abstruse tweets about yeah, it, too. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. they might be similar uh, in their thinking. Yeah, on who some, on knows what's things. going on? Over. All right, so today's a big day for tax collection. Talk yes, to me is. about that, brother. Yeah, so, of course, today is tax day for those out there who have uh, not finished their taxes yet. You still have time. Your uh, paperwork has to be dated, stamp dated uh, by the end of today. And if you can get your taxes in, that's great. Now, I, I hear this you know, a lot. I don't prepare taxes. I'm not a tax advisor, but I work with a lot of CPAs in our industry. And it says if your tax return is late, what is the possible right. penalty? Right. Well, uh, I guess if your return is over 60 days late, there's a minimum failure to uh, file penalty of $435. But that, as it said, it's very important, a minimum failure uh, to file penalty yep. because there could be other penalties assessed That's if right. you did owe taxes and right. didn't pay. So it's very important not only that you, if you're not going to get your taxes completed, uh, that you file for an extension, and that extension has to be done also by the tax filing deadline, which is tonight. Yeah. Uh, also, if you owe any taxes, uh, even though you don't fill out the tax return, you need to have those taxes paid. So... Yeah, no, that that's right, John. A lot of people can do extensions, though, right? Yes, and of course. There's no real can. problem with nope. that. Nope, just pay the tax, though, as well, that you estimate that you owe. Yeah, you have to pay your estimated taxes. Now, what's interesting, I was curious, uh, in all my research on tax policy over the years, I never looked into why it's April 15th or on a day like today, April 18th. You know, I don't know the answer to yeah, that Yeah, well, I, I, it goes back uh, to shortly after the amendment was passed, and the notion was to give people enough time. It was originally in March. Right. To give people enough time to collect their, you know, papers, papers and, and right, all sure. that. It seems to me a good debate for maybe Republicans to have to at least highlight how um, obtrusive and intrusive taxing is and tax collection is and the paperwork needed. Maybe someone ought to just sponsor a simple bill not to lower marginal tax rates, but to extend the filing deadline. Maybe Mm. that would be a good conversation starter on how – 
the tax code has grown, yeah. so too should the time it takes Americans to uh, fill very, those very uh, fulfill those obligations. Because oftentimes, a lot of these companies that you're waiting to get some of the tax right. forms from right. take take time, yeah. and there are still some out there that are not even required to yeah. give you those uh, tax statements before April 15th. So. Yeah. You're right, Seth. If you're involved in some intricate uh, partnerships or any types of uh, investments that are out of the norm, uh, that can happen. But I would say this for those out there who invest in traditional investments, such as stock market type investments, things that we do for our clients every day, insurance companies, if it's annuities, insurance premiums, uh, those things are usually reported very um, quickly. Yeah, and and close to real time almost. Yes, and so if you don't have those, you always can reach out to your advisors. Like with us, there are those out there maybe who call us and say, hey, I never got my my 1099. Well, we always have that opportunity to be able to log on and get those things sent right over to people. Even though it's not our personal responsibility, it's the responsibility of the company, we do have access to that. We can assist our clients with that. So reach out to your advisors. If you haven't received anything, make sure you get that done, though. We're right down to the deadline right now. Nicely done, Jay. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipic, an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Check out GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Talk tomorrow. All right, John. Thank you. Yep. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. He goes on to drinking a slow gin fizz by a lobster tank, and all that could be a great diet. But if you aren't getting all your fruits and veggies, you want balance of nature equivalent of 10 servings of fruits and veggies with their blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables. I take them every day, Bill. You saw me take mine today, didn't you? Whole food nutrition veggies are made and the fruits are made from fresh whole produce using an advanced cold vacuum process. The vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients of the fruits and veggies are preserved so that you get the vital nutrition in each capsule. Keeps me well, keeps my immunity boosted, even helps me repair doing a lot of longer runs lot, uh, lately, and uh, the balance of nature fruits and veggies are helping me get there like uh, I think never before. In any event, balance of nature fruits and veggies, balanceofnature.com, and make sure to use discount code BALANCE. You know, um, if you listen to a bit of talk radio or a fair amount, or if you uh, listen to uh, conservative spokespeople, speakers, leaders, thought leaders, whatever that means, <laughs> thought leaders. I don't like that line. People shouldn't lead thoughts. They should be teachers. But in any event, you know what I'm talking about. If you listen to conservatives or radio hosts or writers or speakers, oftentimes they'll mention uh, Republicans, quote-unquote moderate Republicans, uh, they'll mention the name Adam Kinzinger, uh, congressman from Illinois, who has, you know, had Donald Trump and the America First agenda in his sights for years. Unreliable vote for the Republican Party, but you don't really know what it is that they think. Mostly because we don't have time to go into it. Often because it's not that important to get into because it's not that much thought in the first place. And then there's the third reason, which is if you read The Atlantic or The New Yorker or The Washington Post or The New York Times, you already know what they think. You don't need to do an extra special deep dive into Adam Kinzinger's deep thoughts. But occasionally these people 
will write an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, usually around some agenda they have, some new organization they're trying to start. And, yeah, Adam Kinzinger does it here. He's trying to start a new organization uh, and solicit funds for it. There will be people who give money to it. And, uh, oh, well, there's that aphorism about a fool and his money. But if you want to know what he thinks, this is what he thinks. He has a piece in the Wall Street Journal today, the Republican Party I joined decades ago is unrecognizable today, he writes. It has favored conspiracy theories over truth, anger over hope, and division over problem solving. Now, this is what happens quite often is people just get away with this litany without any substance behind it. The Republican Party he joined decades ago is unrecognizable today. Really? Really? Is it not the same party that's pro-life? Is it not the same party that's pro-defense of America and her allies? Is it not the same party that uh, wants to uh, reduce taxes and regulation? Is it not the same party that wants strict constructionists in the courts? How is it different? What has changed? What has changed? Oh, well, it's favored conspiracy theories over truth. Name me one. Give me a conspiracy theory the Republican Party perpetuates. Anger over hope? Well, sometimes there's a reason to be angry. Sometimes there is a time for war and a time for peace, a time for hate and a time for love. Sometimes there is. And you can find Ronald Reagan being awfully angry at times. And division over problem solving. What does that even mean? Division over problem solving. I'll tell you what it means to people like Adam Kinzinger. It means join the Democrats. That's what that means. Division over problem solving. Problem solving is going to the majority party and agreeing with them. Division is, yeah, not doing that. It's arguing with them. Dissenting. Making a perhaps stronger argument and campaigning against it. That, that, that's, his, that's his litany against the Republican Party. He does give us um, one example, he does, uh, that, uh, that, you know, I think highlights, I think highlights uh, uh, part, of, part, of, part, part of his worldview. And it's this. Uh, he, he, here, listen to this. He says, with everything going on in Ukraine, we have to be clear-eyed about the gravity of this geopolitical moment one of the most pivotal of our lifetimes. Some are using their platforms to provoke the latest outrage on Disney instead. Is he kidding? Is he kidding? Who is not, who has not, stood up and said something about and on behalf of Ukraine, and who has a better idea as to what to do about it than what has been done about it? Does he want U.S. ground troops on the... uh, Uh, in in country in ukraine or in russia or in some other european place is that what he's asking for we have to be clear-eyed about the gravity of this geopolitical moment is there anyone who hasn't said something about ukraine in this country who has at least two iq points so he then pivots and says some are using their platforms to provoke the latest outrage on disney and said instead spoken just like an employee at cnn or espn or the new york times Does he not think that the debate about sexualizing five-year-olds is worth having and something we can actually do something about? Is he unhappy that the governor of Florida is attending to Florida education 
and social issues as opposed to, I don't know, acting like a commander in chief. Maybe Adam Kinzinger in talking about the gravity of goings on in the Ukraine might have something to say about his commander in chief waffling all over the place about it correcting himself, having his staff correct him, having him deny the corrections. Maybe that is the point of gravity that we are that we are having to suffer through it, that the Ukrainians are having to suffer through right now. Maybe it's the Democrats. Maybe Adam Kinzinger needs to understand that when Republicans are unhappy with him, it's because of this. DeSantis is doing his job. Disney is engaging in a culture war against American families and the American people. It wants to sexualize five-year-olds. Sorry for thinking that's important. Sorry for thinking that this is a line we must draw on the stand and say beyond which we will not go. Play with our children all you want and their, and their social and emotional health. We're not doing this. We're stopping it here. And Kinziger's saying, but we're not focused enough on Ukraine. How should we direct that focus otherwise? I don't know. I get uh, 85,000 words a week, a week here give or take, according to Bill's count, my producer Bill's count, give or take, spoken a lot on the Ukraine, spoken a lot on Florida and the Disney situation. Don't think one has suffered as a result of talking about the other and vice versa. We can do both. But what is it? Just what is it? Kensinger would have us do differently about Ukraine. Well, maybe if we had the commander in chief that he spent so much time condemning Russia wouldn't be in Ukraine right now, as almost every analyst actually recognizes. It's a waste of editorial space, but it is useful to see how idiots think and talk. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Law professor Patrick Gary has an interesting piece at Issues and Insights. Speaking of the Ukrainian situation, he writes, The Ukrainian resistance triumphs because of the strength and cohesion of Ukraine's civil society. While the military fights and often guerrilla-type warfare on the battlefront, civilians wage a constant campaign of support behind the lines. Businesses have retooled their operations to provide essential food, medical and military supplies, often without compensation. Volunteers staff food banks and shelters, giving aid to those displaced from their homes by the invasion. Everyone from children to the elderly gather in bombed out or abandoned buildings to collect samples for the Ukrainian troops. On and on he goes. And he writes, this is what gives strength to the Ukrainian resistance. This is what energizes and empowers the armed resistance carried on by the Ukrainian military. But would any of this, he asks, occur if the United States were similarly confronted with such a national crisis? Well, if it did, it would certainly contradict all that the progressive left has tried to do to American society over the past decades. In its campaign to transform America, a campaign begun during the Cultural Revolution of the 1960s, the progressive left has tried to weaken every single pillar of civil society. Religious values and institutions once served to unify America around a generally accepted set of civic virtues and charitable works. But for the past half century, progressives have waged a constant assault on those values and institutions. Families and neighborhoods once provided the glue to American society, but progressives have attacked them as being intolerant, oppressive, and exclusionary. Remember the mantra of uh, disrupt the Western family. Business owners were once hailed as the economic foundation of communities, but progressives have cast them as greedy vipers feeding off a helpless and vulnerable public. 
Of course, progressives could never imagine American business owners doing what businesses in Ukraine are doing, voluntarily providing necessary services and supplies without compensation, because progressives not only see business as a socially destructive enterprise that only government can reform, but also see the very activity of work as something that degrades human beings. This is a small set of writings that are beginning to crop up about Ukraine and the United States and what it means for a country to believe in its institutions and itself, a country like Ukraine, for that matter, probably a country like Russia too. It's always hard to analyze what people in an autocracy actually think. But based on the best evidence available, it appears that Russians believe in Russia as well. Ukrainians believe in their cause and in their country. And yet, what do we believe in? We believe in multiple national anthems. We believe in disrupting the family. That's what we believe in. We believe saying America first is a bigoted idea. That's what we believe. And we're supposed to go up against or be the role model for these other countries? Quite a difficult task. You make men without chests and expect virtue and enterprise of them. You're going to be mightily surprised. I'm Seth Liebson. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.